brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, full of grace, we thank you, Lord, because this is Resurrection Sunday, the day where we as believers take a moment to stop and celebrate the reason for our faith, because he is risen. That this one act distinguishes us from every other faith in the world. The simple claim, but very complex claim, that this Jesus not only died, but is risen and coming again. And so I pray, Father, that we will get a hold of the power of the resurrection today and learn how to apply it in our lives so that we can live as he did. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Resurrection Sunday, Next Movement Church. Amen? Amen. Happy, yes, there's a reason to actually celebrate. It's a reason to celebrate. And today we celebrate the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we share his message of a better future with everyone who will listen. Amen? Amen. And this is the single most significant event in the history of our faith. The message of the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith as a community of Jesus. And so when we gather together to celebrate resurrection, we're celebrating the reality that this world is not as we've been experiencing it. That the world is not actually what you're seeing around you, that there's an even greater reality that might not be apparent to the naked eye. We all live in a world where fear, doubt, shame, greed, corruption parades through the streets of our lives every day. We live in a world where we treat plants and animals and vehicles better than people. But when we look to the resurrection, we see a different world. We see a world where love can actually outshine hate. We see a world where good can actually conquer evil. We see God's perfect world. Amen. Amen. And so go to the next slide for me. I want to, what does this say? Winter is coming. Anybody know where that saying is from? Game of Thrones. <laughs> and even if you're not someone who watches this type of thing, 
There's a concept here that is still being lived out in many of our lives. Winter is coming is the mindset that we have to live our lives in this defensive preparation. Because though things may be good right now, the inevitable winter of our lives will strike. And we don't want to be caught unaware. We prepare for the worst that life has to offer. It resembles a Latin phrase. And this Latin phrase was whispered to Roman generals. And this was whispered to them as they walked in their parades of victory. And you know how ostentatious a display that was when they paraded in victory down the streets. But the chief politician would always whisper, Momento mori. Which says, remember, you have to die. In the height of their celebration, they still had to hear the voice in the back of their head say, remember, you have to die. So as we're gathered here today, there may be some of you who are having doubts. There's some of you that might be having second thoughts about your life and where you are right now. Some of us live in a place of mental scarcity where we're just grasping for straws of excitement or fleeting pleasure or just trying to figure out how to live from day to day in a world where we feel surrounded by death and fear, and destruction, and threat. You believe in Jesus, though. Hmm. But somehow, the threat around you has allowed your excitement and trust to wax cold. You might enjoy some occasional victories, but you often will hide in the shadow of depression or despair, just hoping to make it through the winter in your life. And quite frankly, if that's your mindset today, you're falling prey to the kingdom of darkness. If that's where you live in your mind today, the winter is creeping on you You've allowed the chaos of life to come and lead you into this trap of despair instead of anchoring your faith in the truth of God's word. And so the resurrection of Jesus is not a blindness. It's not a blindness that ignores that there's ice and cold all around us. But it's the check and balance in your perspective of your winter. You see, in the light of resurrection, we're reminded that the ugliness of mankind has brought us into winter. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, 
It's not winter, but spring that comes. Selah. And so I've been teaching on the book of Jonah. And this would be our second week on the book of Jonah. So I have an interesting treat for you. I think you'll appreciate this twist to the resurrection message. And as I was at a wedding last night with Sister Lisa, and we began a conversation around the book of Jonah, and she made mention of something. I said, you know, Lisa, maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow, the sign of Jonah. And so today we'll talk about that. Because at Next Movement Church, we're what? Committed to exploring the entire Bible, right? And so I'm going to bring you the resurrection story today through an Old Testament lens and a feature that you might not have explored before. Is that okay? So we're going to dig into something you might not have done much questioning about, which is why I love coming to church. So let's go to the next slide. Let's go to Matthew chapter 12, 38 through 41. And we're reading today in the NIV. You can follow along on the screen if you like. Matthew 12, 38 through 41. You get one friend? And it reads, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, and they speak to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He, which is Jesus, answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And now something greater than Jonah is here. Amen. Amen. So this is a great section of scripture. All scripture is great, but this is amazing. And so Jesus points to the part of the testimony of things to come that we don't explore often in the book of Jonah. And though these Pharisees and religious scholars were pressing him to show some hard evidence of his, of his rule and reign and his accompaniment of God in the form of a miracle, as if they would have believed anyway, and Jesus rebuffs them by pointing to this colossal miracle of Jonah in the belly of this fish. And this reference was not just one of miracle, but a metaphor of actually how he would die, descend, and resurrect again. And it's an interesting parallel. Because Jesus doesn't say that he's going to sink to his death because of his own rebellion. Because remember, that's what happened to Jonah. He sank because of his own rebellion. But rather, he would take on sin and rebellion of the world and go into the depths of death only to raise humanity into a place of repentance 
and new hope. So I think we should go to the book of Jonah. And we're going to see how this plays out in the story itself. That's what we're going to do. And I think the last time that we met on this book, we didn't get much past chapter 1, verse 3. <laughs> and it got really deep really fast. Because we talked about Jonah's challenge with the Ninevites and who they were as a people and as a nation and why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. But we're going to pick it up right from the top and go into today's message. So we're going to start with Jonah 1, verse 1. And the word reads, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. We said his name meant what? Dove. Messenger. So we have this messenger dove, a prophet. So this messenger dove. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, which means truth and righteousness. Ha ha, right? And it says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. And we all laugh about that. And so Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now remember, we talked about this on week one, how Jonah, instead of going 500 miles in the right direction, goes 2,500 miles in the opposite direction to make a point that I'm not going where God is sending me. Amen. And so then the Lord, well, let me go to three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish, went down to Joppa. See, going down, right? Down to Joppa where he found the ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, because he's a righteous guy, right? He paid for it. He went aboard and sailed for Tarshish and to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. So it's interesting because in the Hebrew, the sheep has an actual character. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if I could keep it together. I'm gonna, I might break up, guys. Like the, the ship is actually a person in the story. And so this ship threatens to break up. And all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own what? God. So we clearly live in a polytheistic society where everybody gets the call on their own God in time of trouble. You're cracking. And, they, and so it says here that each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Who else did that? Jesus. But watch the, watch the contrast and the parallel. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us. I mean, we're already calling on all the other gods. Call yours. Maybe he'll listen. Maybe he'll take notice so, none of, so that we will not perish. So the, they're very aware of what's going on right now, aren't they? Yep. And then the sailors said to each other, come, 
let's cast lots and find out who's responsible for this. So they're, they're, they're pulling straws here, trying to, see, trying to figure out, okay, whoever gets the shortest stick, it's you. They're trying to figure out who is it, who caused the trouble. And then <laughs> they cast lots and the lot fell on who? Jonah. Hmm. And so they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Can you imagine they asked him what he does for work? <laughs> they said, what kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord. And we all laugh, ha, 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 as he's running. The God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Can, can I pin something here? Spiritual apathy. That he can be in complete disobedience in action to God. But when asked about his faith, he can testify of the goodness of God. Pin. Ten. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? Because remember, he just said, I, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Amen. Ten says, this terrified them. These people who just prayed to all these other gods. And they said, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he already told them. It's amazing how blind we become when we're running from God. He told them, I'm getting on this boat because I'm running from God. And so 11 says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? And he says... Pick me up. Throw me into the sea. Ah, throw me into the water. Yeah. I was right. <laughs> and he replied, it will become calm. I know this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Second pin. I think this is Jonah's most selfish act yet. Yeah, let's read about what he is This is a selfish act because... If he's, be, if he's thrown into the water, what should happen to him? He'll drown. And that means he still doesn't what? Go to Tarshish. Go to Nineveh, right? Right, go to Nineveh. Maybe the most selfish, wrapped in, shrouded in piety. Throw me into the sea. It'll calm down for you if you just throw me into the sea. Still not going. Instead... The men did their best to row back to land. They said, we're not going to do that. But they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. And they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord. Now it's a capital L. So they're praying to Yahweh now, right? And they said, please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard. 
And then the raging sea does what? Grows calm. And at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. And now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Amen. Now this should have been the end of Jonah. If we stopped here in chapter 2, this should be the end. But the tra- and this is a tragedy of rebellion. This is a tragedy of spiritual apathy. And God's severe pursuit of someone who wants nothing to do with him. Because in all of this, we do not read that God gave up on Jonah. Hmm. So Jonah thinks what God is calling him to do is going to bring him into the winter of his life. You're sending me to Nineveh, the most brutal empire on the face of the earth. They fillet generals alive and distribute them to neighboring cities. To keep them in line. And you're sending me there. You are sending me into winter. But God is trying to guide him to a place where he can play an active role in the spring. An active role in God's redemption plan for a group of people that he hated so much. But even more interestingly than that. Even more interesting. Jonah doesn't see the harm in removing himself from the picture. He thinks it will all just go away if he just goes away. But that can't be further from the truth. Let's take stock of all the people that were impacted by Jonah's disobedience. Let's go to the next slide. Let's take a look. Who's impacted? The people of Nineveh. So he doesn't, they don't get the word of the Lord if he doesn't do what God says. 120,000 people was the head count there. Plus the animals, because in the end you'll see even the animals repent. It's funny. The people of Nineveh, head count, 120,000. The ship who was trying to keep itself together The ship crew, we don't know how many people were on board. The last cargo. That's a lot of money. This is what they did for a living. All these things, lots of cash, lots of people at risk for one man's, I'm not going. For one man saying, I'm not going. And so like Jonah, there are many of us who are just kind of meandering through life. There are many of us that feel that our decisions don't affect anyone but ourselves. We live in a society where we're taught, do you, boo. Just do what you do. It doesn't matter. It's not going to hurt anybody. 
You're, nobody's affected by what you do. It's just your decision. As long as you don't kill anybody, you're fine, right? But as long as I'm not inflicting harm directly, then what I choose to do with my life is my business. That's where we live. And this story reminds us that there's nothing further from the truth. We've all been victims of decisions that other people have made. You don't have to go very far into your life to be able to say, if that person didn't do this, I wouldn't be here. This would have never happened to me. I would have never ended up. We've all been victims of somebody else's decisions. But although we're impacted, it doesn't mean that we're eternally damned. It doesn't mean that God doesn't provide a way of escape, even though we are victim to circumstance. God shows a silver lining of salvation, if you will, even in the most desperate of situations. So until Jonah was thrown overboard, all of these people stood to be lost. But when Jonah plunged into what seemed like his certain death, something miraculous happened. And I know you want to say the fish. fish. (laughs) I know you want to say the fish came and rescued him. But that's not my complete focus. Let's go to Jonah 1. 14 through 16 here. I'm going back. It says, they, who's the they? The sailors. sailors. Right? The pagan sailors who on the beginning of this trip were worshiping multiple gods. It says, they cried out to the Lord. Not Jonah. They cried out to the Lord. Please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And here's the miracle. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, Yahweh. They converted. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Hmm. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days, three nights. But did you hear what happened before 17? The men greatly feared the Lord and offered a sacrifice to Yahweh and made vows to him. So not only does God provide a way to preserve the rebellious one, hoping that he will get on track, he takes the horrible situation and circumstances and allows other people to be converted anyway. God doesn't need you to get in line to reach people. It is your choice to be a part of the process. So God provides a fish to rescue Jonah. And these pagan sailors who were just casualties in the drama end up praying to Yahweh. Hmm. They make sacrifices to him. And they make vows to serve him. Wow. Isn't it interesting that we try to tell God what the role of tragedy is going to be in our lives? 
These men went through a life-changing near-death experience and met God along the way. But we want to have people escape. We want to rescue everybody from the danger that might be bringing them closer to God. They didn't meet God because this prophet did his job. They reached out to God in spite of Jonah's disobedience. This is why we say salvation is of the Lord. He will reach us wherever we are. So God can and will reach anyone, whether we want to participate or not. He's not limited to your obedience or mine. It's like in 2 Timothy, and I don't have this here, but it's like in 2 Timothy 2.20 through 22, and it says there, and I think it's Paul writes about being a vessel of honor versus dishonor. And the truth is, it's your choice Amen. to be a vessel of honor or dishonor. You can be the fine china that gets served with the meal, or you can be the garbage can that picks up the scraps later. He uses both when salvation is served. Salah. So, as we're preparing to close today, we're going to read Jonah chapter 2. And Jonah chapter 2 is a prayer. When Jonah finally gets to what we think at this time is the end of himself. And so, I want you to remember something, that Jesus took on the sin and shame of the Gentiles, like the sailors, because that's who they represent in that part of the story. But he also took on the sin and shame of the Jew, which was Jonah, by going into the grave for three days and three nights. He took on the rebellion of his chosen, but still extended salvation to the rest of the world. And so let the words of Jonah be a prayer of repentance and salvation for you today. Because the ship is going to Nineveh with or without you. And we are so arrogant to believe that God has to stop the world and wait for us. He will find you, but he won't stop because of you. And sometimes we end up at the end of our lives before we allow him to take us where he's always wanted us to go. So from the inside of this fish, Jonah prays to the Lord when he's facing certain death. And I read to you as you pray, 
He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I cried for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into a very heart of the sea. And the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Amen. So in these last few minutes before we open the altar for those who desire prayer or want to make or renew a commitment to God today, make a decision. Make a decision. Because when you're faced with death, when you have an actual near-death experience, you recognize that the only thing you have going for you is God. When you're gasping for air and drowning, you suddenly don't care how much money you have, what you're going to wear, and who you're going to be with. Winter is not coming. Spring is here. And sometimes, if you've ever lived in the cold, when they get out there and they have that groundhog day, there's still snow on the ground. <laughs> As a matter of fact, there's been many years when the first day of spring has showed up and there was still snow on the ground. It's like March 20th comes and we go, spring is here in our snowsuits and salt on the porch. But we still declare spring is here because no matter how the weather feels, it has to change with the time. And Jesus' resurrection was the time when spring came. So no matter where you are today, declare spring is here. Amen. So as we pray, Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for Jesus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.